fucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Let me sweat the maggots, man. You fucked up, bitch. A true classic never goes out of style. Who gives a fuck about movies? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season four of Debate of the Dead. I am pretty excited for this movie today. We're kind of all over the place with this season. Uh, Forces of Nature, as I've said before, is pretty broad, and I wanted to do that as a topic. That way, I, you know, I could kind of pull from whatever. Last season was all about slashers, so I wanted to branch out, do something a little different. And this movie is definitely different. Today, we are talking about a stoner comedy horror movie, one of my favorites in that pretty niche genre that is um it's got a jam-packed cast of uh fun 90s references it's got a great soundtrack um i am of course talking about the 1999 cult classic idle hands and here with me to discuss this movie is a new friend of the podcast a new guest welcome him with your you know silent claps at home it is dave herman how are you Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, happy to have you on. Uh, so, Dave, as I ask all my guests, I want to get a little feel for your background in horror. Do you like horror movies or do you kind of like watch them on the, you know, when whenever the time is right? Is, uh, uh, you know, what's your what's your story? What's your what's your horror story? <laughs> uh, well, well, gee, I, uh, I actually love horror movies. I since I was the age of five. I I was watching John Carpenter's Halloween. Maybe you've heard of it before. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was, think I think I've heard you know, of it in passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's you know a small movie. People have you know watched every once in a while. Uh, but no, it's um, probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, I remember being five years old and watching that, and just kind of being like, "This, this is a great movie." Yeah. See, you're perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, something I've always watched. Uh, I watch it all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. and you know, ever since that age, I've been watching, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, you know, all the big horror icons. Um, and yeah, it's my favorite go-to genre and I talk about it all the time. Sometimes people are like, please stop talking about these horror movies. And I'm like, I just want to keep talking about it. So that's why I'm here. Hell yeah. No, I love that. And I, I think yeah. I, I don't even know how I stumbled across your a tweet of yours once but you were just you tweeted something that was like i want to be a guest on a horror podcast and i was like uh, well yeah. allow me a power yeah. podcast who's seeking yeah. guests to, <laughs> to take that up opportunity right. that's awesome but i i love that energy and that's why i kind of i took that bait because i'm just like anyone that's just like that just you know you sat there and you said that you put it out in the world and i was like yep that's somebody who who wants to talk about it and is definitely should get on and we'll have a good conversation yeah about, um, absolutely yeah i think yeah, I think I saw you. Uh, I think we became friends through like a screen type thing on Twitter. So uh, I tweeted that out. Didn't, didn't expect anyone to even respond to it. I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm going to put this out there. And he responded. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I checked you out. And obviously it's it's great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm happy to hear that and very happy to have you on. Yeah. So I, I usually let my guests pick the movie because I want, you know, I, I don't want to pick the movie and be like, watch this if you've never seen it. And then the conversation's boring because you didn't like it or, yeah. or like you didn't like it in a way that is like, I don't want to talk about it because sometimes it's fun to get right. guests who hate a movie. Um, my friend yeah. Will, who comes on, like notoriously hates fun, 
yes, that was a, a, a read at you, Will. But he, 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 like, he tends to, you know, he's funny. He's funny as fuck. But he, uh, he tends to hate a lot of like really iconic and in, in epic scenes because it just doesn't work for him but he but he has valid reasons that's yep. why i love hearing him talk about it because he's he's not just like oh this sucks he, he has very valid <clears throat> personal taste reasons why so um yeah let's go on that rant about him but my point is it's it's fun having conflicting opinions because if you don't like something in a negative way there's still a conversation there but rather than yeah. if you are just like i just sure. i don't know i just didn't like it like i didn't vibe i don't really have much to say about it because that that makes for a boring conversation so yeah. uh you know we, we work together yeah exactly so we work together on on picking the right movie to talk about and we came up with idle hands so why did you want to talk about idle hands why does this movie ring with you well, it's funny. I think I kind of mentioned to you the other day that uh, you know, Idle Hands is always a movie that once I watched it, I'm like, oh, this movie's great. But at the same exact time, I was kind of like, I don't know if I love it. Uh, you know, back in 1999 when it came out, I was 11 years old. I saw it at the movie theater with my aunt. And nice. there were things about it that I loved. Uh, there were things about it that I maybe didn't understand. Obviously, I was 11 years old. So uh, I think I think the the blending of the horror and the comedy didn't quite catch on with me at the time. Um, I didn't understand a lot of a lot of that humor, especially being a right. stoner comedy at 11 years old. I was like, right. what's happening? You know. Uh, but as I got older, I found myself kept going back to it. And uh, I feel like I, I liked it more and more each time. It's been a while since I've watched it. Uh, I watched it about a month ago. And I'm like, this is actually a pretty great movie. Mm -hmm. uh, is it, you know, is it the most perfect movie in the world? Absolutely not. But right. it does what it's set out to do, and that was just have a really good time, give you some horror stuff, make you laugh a little bit. And I think at the end, that's what makes it so popular and kind of like a cult classic in a way. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I agree. This is this is a movie I, I found maybe only only like i want to say like four to five years ago it hasn't been too long it's it's oh, been wow. like it's been there for a minute but it hasn't been too too long and uh when i found, i was like it was one of those movies where i was like how did i know not know about this sooner love devin sawa right. Right. uh i, I right. love the final destination movies um and you know he's he's in a bunch of other shit especially now being in a chucky tv show and he did a movie on i think yep. hulu called hunter hunter that was uh pretty good uh, great movie, great ending. If that if that movie's worth awesome. watching for the last ten minutes alone, um, nice. yeah. Cool. So the, I I was like, how did I, I? Seth Green is in it. I was like, how did I not know about this sooner? Um, and also before we go into the actual movie, I do need do have to ask since this is a stoner comedy. Do you partake in the in the the devil's lettuce, the devil's hands with the devil's, <laughs> the devil's lettuce? lettuce? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I have. I'm not. I don't. I don't do it a lot. But, um, you know, it's definitely an enjoyable time. So, cool. you know, kind of relaxing. And, yeah, I mean, it, I'm obviously not against it. And I have done it. I do it sometimes. But uh, I don't know. I mean, watching this movie, I'm kind of like, hey, it's going to save the world. So why not? Right. Yeah. No, I, I feel with this specific movie, as it is pretty weed heavy and focused around it, yeah. it's yeah. important to know what the what the guest level is, because I, I, I would love I almost sure. wish we could somehow get a panel of three. I, I, I'm a mega stoner. I'm always talking about weed and, and I'll always stone. Yeah. It's, I talk about it all the time. So to have that perspective, I love your perspective where it's like, yeah, I kind of do it sometimes, but it's not like my personality <laughs> and then the, and then i want to meet somebody yeah. who's either 
who's either never smoked weed or has smoked weed like once and didn't like it. Like just all the spectrums. Yeah. Uh, ideas Absolutely. About. Cause That'd then be I, fun. Bring me back. I think, yeah. And I think that would be a good test of like, if, uh, if the movie stands well enough, you know, like, is it just about the weed or is sure. there an actual genuine, funny, good movie here? Um, sure. As we'll, as we'll come I like that a lot. About. Yeah. That'd yeah. be, that'd be a fun conversation. Uh, but yeah, so let's let's get right on into the movie. Um, so I think the movie starts with uh, it's a classic older movie that you see like older as in pre 2000s, I guess I'll say is that the credits are like right smack dab in the beginning of the movie. They have their own dedicated yep. sequence and it's got a pretty awesome theme playing over it. This it movie really soundtrack is. is is great and it's going to get talked about a lot, I'm sure. But I, yeah. I love the way it's it really sets the tone for like. It's not going to be a total balls to the walls, like blue comedy per se, but it is going to have those yeah. slapstick stoner moments. Uh, but it's also yeah. like the gore and practical effects and everything make for like there's no it cont contest that this is a horror movie for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think this little this little guitar electric riff here in the beginning sells that. Yeah, that uh, that opening sequence. Uh, I remember being in the theater and watching it, and just being like, "Oh, this this movie's gonna be scary." And you know, the the satanic imagery in the background, uh, right. the theme itself. Uh, I was kind of like, "All right, I know." I was I was ready to be mortified. I think maybe that's why the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, "Why am I laughing?" You know, but right. I I think the movie it works. sets up that tone really well. Works. Yeah, because it, yeah, it this really could have when you do movies like this where you're horror and comedy as a genre so like they go hand in hand right it's like two sides of the same coin yeah. because if you're if you're trying setting out sure. to be scary but you execute it poorly it's going to come off as funny uh and then yeah. kind of the inverse too you can almost do something that's so funny that it's scary usually uh that is like mm -hmm. satire and uh like when you're thinking of um um like you're almost laughing because you're uncomfortable because you're like that's actually hits kind of close to home it's funny yeah, it's yeah, also right? like, Woo. so they're, <laughs> they're just two emotions that vibe really well together and so when you set out to make a movie that is both i think you as a filmmaker are probably giving yourself an even more exceptionally difficult task because you have to please mm -hmm. both sides uh something that yeah. our baby scream did masterfully well by balancing uh, the comedy and the horror because if you scale too far it's absolutely. very difficult to get the slider right right in the smack dab center um and exactly. but i think this movie does a great job does is it it's no scream let's don't don't twist my words here but i mean no, you can't do that <laughs> but no they do it they do a good job getting that getting that slider in the middle uh between everything they do here so the um yeah. so the movie opens with the parents of anton who's the main character played by King old Devin Sawa. He uh, yep. is a is total stoner. His parents know it. And they're going to bed late night. Uh, the mom and dad are both played by famous people somewhat. And uh, the mom, I, I just my life is basically making obscure references to shit no one would ever put together on their own. But I know her from one episode of the George Lopez show uh, where she plays oh, like wow. a mom a PTA mom and they're doing the kids are doing the like sell the chocolate bar thing to raise money for fundraising. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's just, she's funny in that. There's a moment where George doesn't sell the candy and she's like, I don't want the candy. You should have sold it. So I just, my life is just making <laughs> yeah. my, that was playing no, in awesome. my brain the entire time she was, uh, she was on screen. I love that. I love those connections. 
it's it's my whole life. I, I don't know why my brain works like that, but it's just hoping, making obscure references to things that and hoping somebody will be like, wait, is that? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. It's awesome. But the uh, these parents, this opening scene here starts off pretty like, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say gore. It is kind of gory. I, I, I think the kills in this movie are all really well done. I don't think there's a single bad kill, like at all. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that I think that they, you know, the practical effects are really well done. Um, even though some of the, you know, the kills are uh, slightly comedic, they still really pull out that horror grotesque aspect of it, uh, which makes it a lot more believable. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. It does. It does. It yeah. um it, it I and I really think the practical effects are a good tribute to that. Practical over CGI any day of the week, especially in horror. 100%. And and yes. I was uh after watching some interviews on the on the collector's edition special features, I was really happy to see that the director uh Rodman Flender was who directed Leprechaun 2 also was very adamant about right. um making sure that the effects looked real and that there was little to no CGI whatsoever. I mean, of course there's CGI involved in it's a possessed hand that what this movie is about. Sure. So, you know, there's green screen right. removal of that, but every, all of these kills, every single one of them is, is practical almost through and through. So it's, it's really yeah. great to hear, hear that. And he was, he was very persistent on that, which I was, I was happy to hear. I actually really came yeah. to uh, respect the director a lot as I was listening to these interviews because every because even the other people would say a fact about him and I'm like hmm that's interesting I, I like this guy I'm I'm happy to hear this was a this was made with love this movie yeah absolutely uh, I actually uh, researched him a little bit because I agree with you um, hell yeah I was like I, I feel like he handled the film really well uh, which we've obviously talked about. Uh, there was actually two directors attached to Idle Hands before he came aboard. Right. Uh, they dropped out. I'm not. I'm not quite sure who they were, but um, might have been something I overlooked. But I tried looking into it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he did a fantastic job. He actually went on to do uh, two episodes of the Screen TV series. Actually, yes, I so, saw um, that. That's pretty yeah, cool. A nice little, uh, nice little connection to our our Scream love there. Yeah, yeah, uh, like two yeah, episodes did of a... The Office too. Like he's he's. He's out yeah. there doing stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm glad to see he's still out there working because I think, you know, like we said, he did a great job. You know, now that I think about it, I would not be surprised if he directed the episode of The Office where the with the fire drill and Dwight puts on the Hannibal Lecter face. That would that would check out in my <laughs> okay. mental headcanon really well. That would. I didn't look there I didn't look at that. look at that beforehand, but that would um that would that would go good. <laughs> I didn't either. We'll, we'll have to look that up afterwards for sure. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, he's I, I like his directing style and it seems it seems like everyone had a fun time and understood the yeah. cons, you know, what they were doing and, and how to make it real, but also funny. And, and I think that's why the movie plays out the way it does. Uh, and I like yeah. it. It works for me. It works for me. Yeah, same. So yeah, these parents are. Yeah, good. Good. Glad to hear it. Uh, so these parents are, you know, they're they're doing their thing, hearing noises go bump in the night, and they look up um, that while they're laying in bed, and they see a message on the ceiling that just says, "I'm under the bed," and it's in like UV blue UV uh, light. It, yep, it looks scratched into the ceiling almost, but I'm sure it's just like paint. Yeah, but it is it is just sure. funny in the way it's just like I'm under the bed, like it's yeah. it's a it's a little bit of camp, a little bit of camp in there, I'd say a little bit, yeah. Her scream is uh, very aggressive, too. I'm like, oh, okay. 
you yeah, are definitely yeah. mortified of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, we see, you know, they get scared. She's got the cat in her hands, and I love her death specifically because it's it. There's something a little like whew, about it because she's she looks under yep, the bed. Right. Uh, and then the, that mm-hmm. presumably the hand or the curse or whatever it is drags her under the bed, and then you just kind of hear a yep. splat as the bed is like shaking, and then all this blood yep. comes splurting out uh, from the yeah. sides. And it's, I, I like it. I think it's pretty cool. And I, I forget yeah. how the dad dies. Do we just see the body, or is it shown? I cannot remember. Uh, I think we just see the body. I think you just hear him scream and um, all that fun stuff, and then she finds the blood, obviously. But yeah, I don't think we see his death, which yeah, I wish we, I th- wish we would. That's- that's what yeah. I thought. Um, yeah, the the curse, the hand curse, must have had some uh, had some fun there. Because shortly after yeah, we absolutely. are properly to Anton Devin Sawa, there's a sure. shot of him on the couch in his underwear, scratching his balls. That definitely, let's say, had yeah. an effect on me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, uh, you know, he's doing his thing. He's smoking weed and watching them, watching them cartoons. That's his whole life. It's uh, pretty clear that Anton yeah. is a, you know, they they portray him as a person with like no ambition, and he's just kind of that lazy stoner archetype. Um, I was interested to find out that the writers, uh, Terry Hughes Burton, and there was another guy who co-wrote it, but and I can't remember his name because only Terry was giving the interview and just kept referring to him as my partner. Um, said that they when they set out to make the script, they thought they wanted to do a Seven Deadly Sins kind of moment, and they thought Sloth would pair really funny with Stoner. I mean, it's a it's a pretty common archetype, the lazy Stoner, even though functional stoners exist. Yeah. And <laughs> but it's still it makes for a good movie. It makes for a funny movie, and uh, that's that's kind of the character we're following here. That's that's Anton. Yeah, uh, nothing. There's nothing unlikable about him, and I think Devin Sawa's just natural charm brings a lot of likability to the to the character. Um, yeah, and I also like that no. he's smoking through like what literally looks like two PVC pipes put together that he wears on like a necklace. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, oh, dedication. you're getting a little creative here. Yeah, yeah. See? yeah. So there's there's nothing more determined than a stoner with no way to smoke weed. They will they suddenly turn into engineers. <laughs> I've seen it. It's wild. Yeah. I, I also uh, so, love that he had a, a wooden wooden spork that he was, uh, you know, scratching himself with. I'm like, all right, yep. that's cool. You know, maybe got lying around. Maybe not the most sanitary choices because um, I thought it yeah, was like a, like a fork for, you know, salad tossing or whatever. But wh- whatever. Yeah. Hey, he's living his way. best life. Uh, uh, but he's he runs matters. out of weed. Yeah, that's all that matters. He runs out of weed and he calls up his uh, stoner buddy friends uh, and they're like, on the phone he's like yeah i'm holding come on over and so he just doesn't put on any pants just walks out of the house goes on over walks over to his, his little friend's house here because these are, these are like high school age kids um yeah and they are penub which is played by eldon henson and his name is actually penub there's a he said there was a note in the script to pronounce it that way it's not it's because it's p-n-u-b uh so yeah, what I think an iconic name yeah, like where I don't know where that came from, but I I like yeah. when I like when I mean it makes it more memorable for sure. It makes it hard to forget oh, what for sure. this character's name is. Uh, so yeah. Penub <laughs> over here, and then uh, <laughs> Seth Green is the other friend, uh, very young Seth Green, and I forget what his name is off the top of my head. Uh, his name is Mick. Mick. Nick. Oh, Mick. That's right. That's right. Mick. Uh, Mick, Mick and Penub. Yep. Mick. Mick and, and Penub. Yeah, so they he, great, he, great, great friends. 
um, instead of choosing the front door, he decides to crawl through the basement window <laughs> of Penub's place, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, growing up, I lived yeah. in the basement and had the windows like that. So I thought I, th- I just thought that was funny. Um, there's there's nice. a lot of little nuances to this movie that are, I, I think, make it pretty, pretty funny and add to add, add a little bit of physical comedy to uh, to it. all. Yeah, like his, uh, his uh, pink slippers he had on too when he's walking across the street in his boxers to go over there. Yep. Like, right. uh, he just, he Great. just threw Great them on. He was like, he was like, oh, this will work. Shoes. Yeah. No, no pants, but shoes were necessary. No pants, but shoes. Priorities. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the priorities. Uh, so he yeah, goes, yeah. Sure. He goes, he goes over there, and he, they basically have like the quickest mini intervention with him. He's like, yeah, I didn't. He's like, I didn't say what I was holding, and then you know says he yeah. doesn't have any weed, and they're like, Anton, you need to change. Which, if you're two stoner friends while vegging out on the couch are telling you to change your life you're in your stoner ways <laughs> maybe <Yes, we're... laughs> maybe a little more ambition is necessary <laughs> yeah yep yeah like, drive. Your life, your choices <laughs> yeah do a little bit of reflection here think think about the situation mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> um so yeah he he's over there and they're they're telling him to basically chill out and He's apparently got a crush on this girl who's played by Jessica Alba and uh, very young. One of her first couple roles, really. She was only 17 at the time, which yeah. is kind of weird. But um, it yep. is. Yeah. A little odd, but whatever, <laughs> I suppose it, it yeah. happened. And uh, she she plays, uh, you know, the girl across the street that he's in love with. And they have a weird romance arc that is pretty improbable. But at the same time, I'm just like, whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not stressed yeah. about it. I don't, I'm just, it's, it's fine. It's, it's a comedy, and you know things are gonna be right. like weird like that. Um, yeah, so absolutely. They, you know, they, they tell him, they tell him to get some gross, grow pair and go talk to the girl and stop smoking at every second of every day, and then they proceed to smoke yep. through the booby bong. <laughs> yeah, the booby bong. Yep. Love the booby bong. Iconic little iconic yep. imagery. If I, yep. I want to just. I want to have one, of course, but I also want to just walk into somebody's place at some point in my life and be like, that is not fine sculpture. That is the booby bong from yeah. Idle Hands. I know it. Absolutely. <laughs> that, That's that would great. Be funny. Yes, I agree. That'd be awesome to see. I, I would do the same thing. I'd be like, I want to smoke out of that just because I feel like it's, uh, you know, a collectible at this point. Right. So. And I'm, oh, I love my, my idea of home decor is horror movie like memorabilia. I, my dream home decor is like Freddy gloves and glass stands and masks lining the walls and everything like that. Same. A hundred percent. That's all I want. That's the booby bong will be present. my own little, uh, <laughs> yeah, like my own little, uh, scream shrine from scream six, you know? Yes. Yes. Just everything oh my God. from they, all different types of movies. When they created that, they knew, they knew what they were doing. Uh, they yep. they the shrine. They were like, "This is going to speak to all the horror fans because that's yep. that's all of us." We, we uh, it's just yeah. a, it's a cool little, it really it's is. cool little, cool little uh, lifestyle. I guess I don't know. It's fun, <laughs> but it's hundred uh, so percent a lifestyle. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's also in this scene too where he's in the in the basement with his friends that he mentions he hasn't seen his parents in a couple of days, which hilarious that he's that like yeah. just filled yep. out that he's just like, hmm, I haven't seen him. I don't know. Yep. And yeah. uh wonder where yeah, yeah. And th- this movie does kind of exist in almost like a like a hyper reality as most like comedies and extreme horror movies do. So yeah. I, I it, it's funny. 
it works for me. The the charm of the <laughs> this movie's uh universe, I guess, works for me for sure. And he, yeah, no, I agree. Oh. Um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I think the I think the cast in general uh, makes everything work as well. Uh, you know, if you know that's given to the director, um, getting this cast to actually feel like they're all truly friends, um, I think it makes it more believable. And uh, like you said, you're kind of in this uh, weird little universe where you know these things are you know kind of off, but they they make everything work because their chemistry is so real that I feel like they are real people. Uh, I think that's one of the things I admire about it too. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I I agree, and I that's something I've uh, actually talked about on the show before. Is that I I in order for me to really love a movie and buy in is regardless of the acting performance, like not on a believable, unbelievable scale, but I I need yeah. to buy that the actor believes is a character, you know. I have a hard time with yeah. actors who essentially play themselves. It's really hard to like buy into the storyline when I'm like, oh, this is just blank doing a bit, you know? Uh, but also, but that's not to say yeah. there aren't great character out- actors out there because they, there are, there definitely are. But also there's some performances yeah. where I watch and I'm like, the actual acting is not bad. Like it is a good performance. They're, they're selling it. But for me, it's like, I still... I don't connect with them as a character. I still see an actor, almost like an audition. Like I see them yeah. reading a script, even though even though it's good reading of a script. I don't buy that it's a real character reacting to the to the situations presented around them. If that makes sense. Um, so, and I think no. the, the believability factor of it all uh, really adds to it. And because the actors play it the way they do, I like you said, it it adds a charm that works. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Glad you agree. Yes. So Anton went and um, grabbed, acquired her like weird diary journal thing somehow. And he's like, oh, let me go return it. That'll be my excuse to talk to her. And it is so awkward. Nope. <laughs> so awkward. I'm so like, awkward. <laughs> he is n- I'm convinced Anton. I don't even think this is a too scared to talk to women thing. I just think Anton doesn't know how to talk to people in general. <laughs> other than his two yes, stoner friends. I agree. I'm yep. assuming they're the only two friends he has since he just kind of, you know, uh, is whatever. But uh, Jessica Alba's character, whose name I also forget off the top of my head, is it at one point he calls her uh, baby snakes and that's all that's coming to mind. I think it is Molly. Uh, I mean, hilarious. Baby I wonder snakes if works. Intentional. <laughs> baby snakes works. A weird choice, but a, yeah. a, definitely a term that it they is. used. Um, uh, <laughs> I think it. her name is Molly and I wonder if that's an intentional uh, drug name. Like a another reference. Uh, it's funny, actually. Never thought about it. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not I a never thought Mary, about that. A, like a Jane or a Mary Jane or even a character named MJ or something. Yeah, just as a as a reference. Damn. Um, yeah, that would great. But yeah, right. So he uh, should be a crystal. All the drug names. Every everyone should have been a drug name. <laughs> All of them. Uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> Damn, it's it, so weird. It's so weird and awkward. He just kind of like shoves the book at her and then runs away and is like. The way he walks away is so <laughs> funny because the he's like walking parallel with the camera and it's very like militant, just like march forward, like mission complete, uh-huh. <laughs> return to home base. <laughs> yep. I, I did what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, yeah, so it's uh, the opening. Yeah, it, it kind of gets into the action really quick, which I appreciate. You know, like people are already dead. 
we know what we need to know about our core characters that we're learning here and um it's it's setting up it's i i think this movie it's all it's a tight movie it's only an hour and 32 minutes i think and it um i feel like it goes by fast i never feel like it's a drag there's no scenes that feel like extraneous i feel like everything is nice tight and compact and i feel like that goes to the credit to the director there keeping it tight yeah absolutely i never feel like jokes play on for too long like if not there's not really many running gags through this movie but you know sometimes you watch comedies like this and you're like all right i'm tired of this fucking like you've mentioned this joke four right. times like let's move on uh i feel like right. I, I don't feel like yeah. that this movie really does that no i agree i think it's uh i think it's perfectly paced um i think things are spaced out uh appropriately i think when you get your uh you know your scary things happening uh you're also getting your comedy and it balances out really well um, and I think that hour and a half runtime uh, covers everything. I feel like we get enough uh, screen time with all the characters, to, uh, you know, even if we don't know their whole backstory and, uh, you know, everything that happened prior to this moment in time. I think we're given enough to, you know, at least moderately care about them and be like, oh, shit, they just died. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a, yeah. I yeah, I very very well put. I agree. That's uh, it's like just enough, you know, just just what you need. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be anything overly intricate, but it's also not just plain basic shit. I feel like so. Yeah, just yeah. to just co-sign yeah. what you said there. It's uh, yeah, it's also well, in the scene uh where he returns the books. I think on the way to Molly's house, he runs into uh, fuck. Well, I really should have been better about looking at their characters' names. I know he's played by Jack Noseworthy. Um, but I don't Jack remember. Really, yeah. he's, he's the heavy metal uh, guy. Is it Randy? 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 I think so. Let's go with it. Yeah. His name's Randy now. Randy. <laughs> no, he... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's this, not my bad. <laughs> this character is so funny because I I was re-watching this movie yesterday and he, he appeared on screen for maybe three seconds and he, he's playing this like hyper-masculine aggressive rock dude, right? And I was like... Yeah, yep. My gaydar is going off. I have to know. So all I put into Google, all I put into Google was, is Jack Noseworthy married? And sure enough, spouse was some dude who's like a theater director. It's like, I knew it. <laughs> Clocked yep. immediately. <laughs> Called it. Uh, it was just, so it was, funny. It was funny uh, to see. So, so, and it made it, made it better for me because all of his scenes where he's like hitting on Vivica Fox, I was like, come on, ally, you do, you do yeah. it. You, yeah. you play straight. You know, yeah. It's fun. It's fun to watch. <laughs> and I also kind of think it adds to the charm, whether unintentionally or not. Um, it's just, it, it's, a, it, it definitely it's does. A, it's like not quite camp factor. It's like, it's like, um, it's like makeshift camp. It's like the the camp, the road on the way to the camp, <laughs> camp adjacent. Yep, <laughs> camp adjacent. Absolutely, I, I like back. that. Uh, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because, like you said, he's you know this uh, super masculine, uh, you know, bro type guy, and, and mm-hmm. uh, knowing his background and stuff definitely adds to um, the whole humor of it all. So they have to go yeah. j- drives a big old a good job with that. Yeah, I think I think yeah. he's a fun character, and he he becomes relevant later in the Me film. Too. Uh, because after that, we yeah, cut to yeah. Vivica A. Fox, who is always mm-hmm. stunning in this movie, especially, and yep. is pretty badass in general. She is like in a nun yeah. costume, and she's at this place, and I think I think they said it was like Utah or something. Uh, and she's, uh, yeah. she's pretending to be a nun, looking for uh, like a patient or something to give him his last rites. And it turns out he's already dead, which because she rips off the costume real quick because she's actually like. She's hunting the hand. She's hand, she's hunting the possessed yeah. hand, which is the killer. So she's hunting the she's like a demon hunter. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Iconic. Which is which is pretty great. I I love yeah. I, I love her involvement. Her it's pretty great. Uh this this character I think was I necessary to the to the um to the plot here and I'm glad it was her or at least someone of her uh uh energy and vibe because I feel like if this were like mm-hmm. say a man or somebody who just like didn't quite understand the comedy of the movie, this role could have been very different and lackluster. Um, like she's yeah. no, she's no Sam Loomis <laughs> type. She, it, <laughs> no Sam Loomis. Yeah. Right. She, she, does, no, she does different stuff. Yeah. No, I like her um, a lot. I like her character a lot. I think, uh, she brings a lot of, uh, you know, uh, charm to that character. Uh, like you said, it, she kind of makes it, uh, believable. It's mysterious and it's funny at the same exact time. Um, and her wearing that nun costume is, like I said, definitely iconic. Right. It's a, uh, it it makes for a funny reveal right there in the beginning. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, our last kind of uh, character se- background character setup shots is the uh, Anton is like riding his bike home from his little <clears throat> delivery drop there, and he <laughs> goes down this alley which is really smoky for some reason, and get, runs into these two dickhead cops because of course, not surprised. And uh, yeah, one of them is Sean Whalen, who had a lot to say about every movie he's ever been in, except this one. For some reason, I feel like watching his interview <laughs> was every other movie he's been in, <laughs> which was funny. Um, but I did. I The one big takeaway I took from that is he the very first thing he said pretty much was that uh, he talked about being in People Under the Stairs and had nothing but super high praise for Wes Craven and his his cleverness, his directing style. So it's always it's just always nice to hear good things about Wes. Yeah, I really don't absolutely. think I've ever heard a bad thing about Wes Craven ever. The I don't either. Even, I don't either. The only even remotely questionable thing I've ever heard about him was in, there's a really wonderful book by Patrick Maroney uh, called It All Began With a Scream that he interviewed like 30 plus cast and crew members that worked on the first four Scream movies and there was some quote in there where somebody like didn't like something about Wes. And it was even that was like, this feels kind of backhanded. I want is this the first yeah. negative thing I've ever read about Wes Craven? But that's it. And that was one yeah, guy, one guy's quote in one book. So I don't just more yeah. more Wes love all around. Um so good good good, good for that. But yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I go on a lot of tangents. Hello, this is the tangent show. He oh, that's gets, fine. he gets pushed around and, and harassed a little bit by these two cops. They smell the weed on him. They're giving a giving him a hard time. Which let's talk about this for a second. Watching this movie came out in 1999, which is what 24 years ago. 24. Um. Yep. So he. Oh, I'm. I was. I was born in 99. I probably should have put that together faster. Uh, but oh. uh, yeah. So this movie is 20, 24 years old, and it is uh, w- weed has come a long way in terms of legality. I don't know how many states. If any had it legal in 1999, but you know it's pretty frowned upon and illegal at this time. And then you know the the de- the decades go by a little bit, and now in 2023, I think there's I want to say 19 states that have it legal or something like that. I know Minnesota just did it, and that made them like what the new number. I think it's like I want to say it's like 18 or 19. So long way to go from. Not legal on a federal area. Um, don't feel like you need to reveal where you live, um, assuming it's the U.S., but either way, where where you grew up and where you live, 
how is weed treated? Is it taboo? Is it the devil's lettuce? Is it something people do every day? You walk out and it smells like it because it's legal. What how, what is what is the weed the culture attitude around weed in your area? Um, you know, 10, 10 years ago, I would say that everyone was like, you know, that's that's bad. Don't do that. Uh, I definitely feel like now it's uh, a lot more common. Um, you know, we can get uh, a license here to to smoke medical marijuana. Uh, it's not legal here to, uh, you know, just go out in the town and just smoke everywhere. Uh, but I definitely feel like they've, you know, become a lot more accepting. Um, you know, before it's like you're on the pot, and like you're smoking all that bad stuff. And yep. um, now it's definitely a lot more common. I mean, I think when people start looking at it more as a, a medical thing i think you know slightly older people are kind of like okay like it helps with this it helps with that um so i think that definitely helped a little bit to to, to lessen its uh derogatory <laughs> thoughts about it but um yeah. Yeah. yeah no and that's that's interesting to hear and that's why i'm uh i ask about this kind of stuff because um it, it, there's also a generational thing to it right because people who grew up yeah. years ago when it had was a lot more outlawed frowned upon taboo disgraceful all that kind of stuff you know they, they still those people today tend to be frowned upon it like my dad for example i tried to get him on a, a my my like 70 something year old grandma one day just whipped out this like cbd stick uh, and she's like oh it's great for my muscles and joints and it's like a lotion with with cbd not even thc and i was like yeah. dad you need to get on that like you would love that you're fucking arthritis and all that shit like that would help you so much and he's like no 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 if they ever drug test me at work I'm, i can't get fired and i'm like oh my goodness first oh, of all no. this isn't even yeah like it's it, that's that's what it means so it's just the attitude around it some it's so making a movie like this in 1999 and you know the culture it, I, I think it's an interesting point to, to reflect on it and see the views then versus the views now. And in addition to it, it being a generational issue in, in America, this is all relative to the USA. I'm really not sure about other, other countries. Um, but in <laughs> the US, it's not only a generational thing, but it's a, a an area a territorial thing because I, I grew up in uh, I'm from Gary, Indiana. Indiana is the reddest of red. There's no shit does not fly there hate the state <laughs> but and so clearly weed is not legal there it never will be unless it's unless yeah. it's federally legal but um so the, the culture is very much like don't do it you know people go to jail for it you get pulled over with with the littlest amount and boom fines court date jail time the whole even to even today even today i i know people plenty of people uh who growing up or even back home are still getting uh, um you know fines for having a little bit of uh, even even yeah. a cartridge, uh, a vaporizer cartridge, a vape cartridge in the car. Yeah. Um, so it's it's nuts. Versus now, I live in Los Angeles, where weed is of utmost legality. Here, there is dispensaries just as much as there are Starbucks. It, it there is all kinds of weed products. There's there's flour you smoke. There's indoor outdoor flour. <laughs> there's edibles. There's there's wax. There's cartridges. There's drinks. There's food. There's even entire places that are like weed cafes like the whole thing is making food with weed and it's like a full sit-down restaurant it's so the the culture contrast there is crazy so i mean like i said i discovered this movie five years ago i've only lived in los angeles for just short of a year I, like when i watched this movie years ago it hit a little bit harder because i understand the culture around being like scared to even touch weed because you look over your shoulder there's a cop yeah. uh oh your whole life is just ruined now 
Um, yep. So the 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 culture shock there versus now I watch this movie and I'm like, what's happening? He didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> right. Well, right. especially no, especially. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I talk a lot. Please interrupt me. It's not rude. No, you're fine. No, you're good. No, I think that's, um, you know, watching it back in 1999, you know, I'm aging myself. But uh, again, I was 11 at the time and it's kind of being like, oh, my God, like all the all the weed smoking in this, this movie, the movie's bad. Um, and, you know, the cops, you know, interrogating him in that in that alleyway. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, he's, he's a bad kid, but you know, it's, you know, you're rooting for this character and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, watching it nowadays, I'm like, this is so innocent. Like there's literally nothing wrong with it. And, um, it definitely is, you know, if you're just coming into this movie now, just kind of like, okay, why, what's the big deal? But yeah. yeah and I mean, I think it almost, it almost gives this movie a timeless quality because no matter when you watch it, it's going to be a little bit of a different emotion because i'm now i'm interested to see the next generation like whatever comes after gen z like the one after i don't even know that are they born yet i don't i don't know whatever the <laughs> whatever those things are going to be called like yeah. if they watch this movie and they live in a world where <laughs> they live in a world where maybe weed is even federally legal or they grow up in somewhere like la or colorado or you know seattle one of the very famously uh, weed legal places and they they just like don't even understand this scene like it just doesn't even make sense to yeah. them because they're like what yeah what's going on <laughs> it's it's almost like yeah. uh in a way how how we now it, like especially more more so like gen z i would say when you watch old stuff and people are just smoking cigarettes like crazy young people in the in the restaurants throwback to when there was a smoking non-smoking section it's like those kids now are like, what is even going on? I don't understand this. Yeah, no, it's very true. Um, yeah, definitely a, a timeless thing here. So, you know, five years, we'll check out and see what kids are saying about idle hands, you know? Right. And yeah. There's, there's, there's always going to be a reason to revisit this movie. That's the one of them, not yeah. the reason, but I, it, this, this is a movie yeah. that I think will, will never not have an audience for, for a pretty long time, I would say. But it's a, especially weird no, to see this scene, this little shakedown, because he doesn't even actually have weed on him. He has an empty bag right. that smells like weed, which is yep. nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. Literally. <laughs> yes. Nothing at all. But I mean, these cops are dicks. They're, they're fully giving him a hard time saying like abu very abusive power. Um, police brutality for the for the win here. They said these cops mm -hmm. said. Um and they're they're also people that he went to uh high school with they were um seniors when he was a freshman so he's probably now like a senior so they're like four years older uh and so you know they they have some good banter talk shit about it and they give him like a fine yep. and he goes he goes on his way so <laughs> i think that's i think it's this movie's way of setting up the uh even even though it's not like inherently like evil like some other characters in a horror movie, we're like, oh fuck this guy, I can't wait to see him die. But I think that's kind of what they were yeah. going for here. Is like they're they're dickheads, so they're gonna get a pretty they're gonna get a good death scene, and that's why they exist, really. <laughs> Hell yeah, very true. Oh yeah, so uh, we're we're getting close to discovering the evil here because Anton mm -hmm. he doesn't have any weed because a canub over there wouldn't give him any, so he tries fucking smoking nutmeg and oregano. Not for Meg. some reason, uh, I don't know what even the logic was there. Like this, this gives like right. a desperate attempt to 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 just like I, 
like withdrawal syndrome. Like he just needs something to smoke. So he's like, fuck it. I'm putting this in a piece yeah. of paper, like a piece of uh, napkin or tissue paper or whatever the fuck he uses, like magazine paper. Uh, and he's like, I'm smoking it. I don't care. It's going to, something's going to happen. Can you imagine? Yeah, so, could you imagine, girl, in this economy? Never. Never. This, this, is, this is too low, <laughs> Anton. We oh, can do true. better. So he, uh, he, he puts on the TV and he starts making himself a little sandwich. And uh, he doesn't realize that the sandwich knife, which is, a, which is an obnoxiously large chef's knife, <laughs> serrated chef's knife, that he's going so to use to make a sandwich is super bloody. So he's just stirring in that, that blood with the mayonnaise. Love that. Day old blood, too, mm. since the parents have been dead for mm. days now. So I guess, okay, so I guess this is probably how the father died. He probably got stabbed or something. Yeah. Bird slit, maybe. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he makes himself a bologna yeah, blood sandwich. Sense. I guess I never thought about that. Yeah, uh, maybe. Bologna I guess blood. it could, maybe it could have been the mom, too, since she was a, was, we didn't really see what happened, but that was, that was definitely a splat. Either way, well, either way yeah. he, he makes himself a blood and bologna sandwich. Realizes shit yeah. is awry, starts freaking out, of course, as, as you know, one probably would. Naturally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, cat. the cat is munching on an eyeball. Got to get that eyeball prop in there. Uh, and he eventually nope. finds his dead parents. They were replaced with these like Halloween. Oh, because it's also Halloween time. This movie is set around around the few days around Halloween. It's pretty cool. Uh, he. uh he starts looking around his house and the, they're eventually found in the uh, they had these Halloween like statues with pumpkins over their heads. He bumps into it. Turns out it's actually his dead parents, which is pretty cool. The pumpkins like break open when it's they fall. Cool. They're all gory. Mom's got an eye cut out. Dad's all bloody and throat slit. I like it. There's also a funny yep. ass scene where he he's using the big uh, dog to like protect him. And he just like scoots the dog Scoot into him. the room and he's like. <laughs> What a, a great, great guard dog there. It's it's, it's pretty funny. It's, it, this this movie has a lot of little. It's, it's less it's less quote like jokey quote heavy than it is like situational comedy, which I appreciate. Like yeah, uh, situational, yeah. Proppy, prop based, physical based, uh, that kind of thing. Yep. And I, I like. That's that actually my favorite kind of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I, I respond well. <clears throat> excuse me. I respond much better to that kind of comedy than like. The, the just dropping one-liners every so often, if that makes sense. I agree. No, absolutely. I'm the same way. I actually, uh, back to the, the parents in the, in like the pumpkin setup. Yeah. Uh, that's actually one of the things I remember when I saw the movie at the theater uh, during the opening scene and then it cuts to the house and slowly pans in. Mm -hmm. um, they have like the two pumpkins standing in the window and I was like, that's actually kind of creepy. And then for them right? to use that for the dead parents, excellent. Yeah, and and it, uh, I don't I don't know know if I want to say foreshadowed per se, but they're uh, at the very beginning, the opening scene when the mom is like scared and holding the cat, walking around the house. She there's like a a scene where she's like peering beyond those those pumpkin statue things, and she like puts her hand on it and like looks around. So it, the the shot kind of establishes that they're there and puts yeah. a focus on them. So it's it's like yep. I guess they are kind of foreshadowed in a way. Um, yeah, so the, for sure grand reveal of the dead parents uh so yeah devin <laughs> a anton here is just freaking out eventually sees the message on the um on the the top of the top of the ceiling in the bedroom is like holy shit what's going on finds the dead parents and what does he do immediately goes and gets his friends <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's what you need it's all you need N no police 
nothing no no other prior uh, uh emergency procedures just just good old Penub and mick yep that's all you need in life Penub and mick love it and the, yep and the way they play it is uh it, it's 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 funny because they don't they don't react in like a mortified way like they're definitely like oh shit but they're not like yeah. uh uh freaking out per se and then e- even when yeah. anton discovers his hand is all glowy and he's like holy shit i'm the killer it's he yeah. uh because they also discover at one point that like a piece of anton's shirt is missing and that's how they they're yeah. like oh my god the killer was wearing your shirt and he's like i think the killer was wearing me <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny yeah. I, I like that i like that great part. dialogue great yeah, yeah. great dialogue Same. And uh, he, yeah, so his his hand is like fully possessed, which uh, turns out, and uh, sorry, Devin Sawa can really naturally do this like hand acting stuff. And then later in the movie, when it gets cut off, he showed the director because they were trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? Like, are we going to cover your arm in green? Uh, so we, so we only see, you know, like, cause you're separated here. Are we, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, I can actually do this thing where I like flop my hand backwards and put it around my back. So it looks like it's been chopped off and they were able to attach the prosthetic. So yay, practical effects. And the director was like, you just yeah. said this like five days of shooting. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I actually didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Actually. Yeah. So shout out to uh Devin Sawa's possessed hand acting and severed hand acting yeah. for that matter. Um, the actual yeah, separate he, uh, hand, though, like once it becomes sentient, we'll we'll get there because that actor, uh, he had a lot to say, and I have a lot to say <laughs> about him. Excellent, um, excellent. Yeah, uh, De- Devin Sawa's acting with the hand when it's possessed is phenomenal. It's uh, good, and that's I not mean, a hard thing to do. I mean, imagine because you you when you watch this is why I have such a like huge profound love of filmmaking because it's just such a such a wild art form and you really think about it and the goals <laughs> the methods that are used to achieve some of these things i mean he's when they're filming this this is a guy in a room with presumably who 10 to 20 other people maybe even more i have no idea how much crew worked on this movie um d- behind cameras there's microphones in the air so there's there's all this stuff all these spotlights and he's just like fighting his hand they're like that's it that's what you're doing you're literally fighting your yeah. own hand it's kind of a hard oh, thing to to sell. It's probably quiet. It's quiet on set, other than when he's just going huh, huh, and making like groan noises because <laughs> there's no there's no music yeah. being played on set. So I mean, the the art of filmmaking really is just just wild. And then you think these people get paid thousands, millions of dollars for this shit. It's nuts, and yep. they cost it's the wild. same. Uh, so it's 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 just such a wild wild art form. But yeah, so I mean it. It deserves some praise to be like, damn, because you, you got to really sell that when the entire premise of the movie is a possessed hand. So somebody making it, somebody else could have made this more darker uh, uh, and like tried yeah. to play it super, super serious. And maybe that doesn't work tonally or it goes in just a different direction. Or somebody could have played it too over the top and silly to the point where it's not even funny. It's just annoying or silly. So I think I think and yeah. Devin Sawa really, you know, sedimented it as a as a good good hand possessed hand acting performance he sold it <laughs> he really did he did great job Devin. he sold it um and then we get a really fun scene where he kills his friends because he's basically just trying to be like wait no i wouldn't kill why would i kill my parents it's my hand but they're just like okay calm down like this is not <laughs> this is not going well and eventually mick gets a bottle to the face the hand breaks a bottle and shoves it in his head 
awesome makeup and effect, I think. And especially because he has it for the awesome. rest of the movie. And uh, Penub is running up the stairs to get away because at some point they end up in the basement. Hand throws a saw blade, clean decapitation. Well, not maybe not clean, but decapitation. And uh, so now we have a, a headless character and a, a bottle in the face character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are also iconic, too. I mean, I feel like those would make for great Halloween costumes. Definitely. Like, I would have loved... That's what should have been in the Scream 6 subway. There should be somebody with a bottle sticking out of their head or something. Oh, just man. Like, just like Mick. Uh, that would be that a good, would be awesome. that would be a good deep cut <laughs> reference. And... Yeah, so he he killed his friends, and then his immediate thought is, uh, let me go over to Molly's house. Why not? Oh, oh, I because I, I, I do remember actually what leads him there. Is he, this, this is clearly a small town that this takes place in, I guess, because everyone is so close to each other. Like, they're all within walking yeah, distance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he picks, he at one point, the hand picks up the cat and spins it around by its tail, like in the air. And then when it gets right. go, just yeah. launches like way out the window <laughs> and just goes fly. Girl, he was spinning that cat like me with my shirt at precinct. That shit was just flying. <laughs> he was about to take flight yeah. with how quick that cat was spinning. <laughs> I, I thought that really was did go funny, really fast. That was a pretty funny visual. Uh, no cats were it harmed was. in the making of this movie. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, so he goes so he goes looking for the cat ends up on the porch and the hand like rings the doorbell what does he say i like your bush so yeah, oh, yeah so sorry he's like sorry about your bush and she's like sorry about your bush this yeah, this no scene problem. is so weird to me because he is like covered in blood acting super suspicious and weird and sketchy and just red flags galore and and flighty <laughs> he's all out of breath and and uh panicked and she's just like oh, my hero just like watching him all intently she's like he's like he's all like yeah. sorry about your bush and he's like she's like no problem it's weird she's just yeah. she's very uh, robotic yeah immediately yeah, invites him inside uh to the bedroom yeah. straight to the point uh they start and like there's a point where the hand like grabs her and you think like, oh, she's about to be turned off by this. But she's like, oh, wow, I never thought you'd have the boss to just grab <laughs> me like that. It's like oh, this woman. <laughs> well, oh, man, Jessica. <sighs> there, was no, there was no convincing. She just she wants Anton. But, um, you know, yeah, he's dealing with it. a he's dealing with a killer hand. So he's got to get out of there. So he doesn't accidentally fucking uh, kill Molly here. And then uh, it is when we see the the dead friends resurrect, and they're like zombies now for like no reason at all. But also, I don't need a reason. Right. I love it. <laughs> Same. I actually thought about that too. I'm like, I was like, what was the point of them coming back? But like you said, I'm all for it. So, yep, it, it's it, the it's comedy. Amazing. Comedy is why. Yep. They're they're fully. <laughs> you know, he uh, Anton hears them in like shuffling about and whispering and talking in their in their house and they're just he, he's like oh my god you guys are alive but nope they're they're undead they're just chilling on the couch their faces they got a lot more makeup on now and stuff and uh they do some really cool stuff with the head because even just the fact that it's sitting on a chair sideways because you, you would think it'd be upright yeah. so that way the actor could just be under the chair and you know but he's it's sideways which is practically yep. harder to do and uh, but they they were like fuck it we're doing it because we want to just make it look cool and it's not something you see all the time so you know kudos for ambition. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then uh, his uh, body, his headless body in the background in the kitchen trying to find food and just throwing popcorn and yeah, trying to find his head. Great. It's <laughs> great. He had a yeah. he had a body double so that way he could be the head. And so anytime it's like, like you said, like the headless body walking around in the background, it's somebody else and then he's, he's the head. It, it works well. I like the effect there. The headless yeah, horseman of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and then with uh, Mick having the bottle in his head, uh, the yeah. sound, like the sound effects, like the sloshing of a little bit of coke or whatever was left in there, right. just sloshing around. He moves around. I'm like, nice touch, nice touch. Yes, I do. I do love that. It's 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 pretty great. They they just they really took their care with this movie. Uh, the makeup artist, one of the makeup artists for this movie, is actually a now in 2023 four time Oscar winner for best makeup. So I, awesome! I mean, it shows the makeup in this movie is is top top yeah. notch. Um, all of all of the gore is done really well. All all of the practical effects are. That's why I I just anytime there's practical effects, odds are I'm probably gonna like the movie more just because you know you went there. It's challenging. It's difficult. Yep. It's not the easy way and it's it, it shows that you shows me as a filmmaker and as a creative visionary that you're not afraid to get your hands a little dirty and you're not about just cutting corners Absolutely. yeah i agree 100 percent. hell yeah um i forget what le- what exactly leads devin into this like safari themed restaurant but he he has an encounter with um with uh the heavy metal guy and he's he's running through this this safari restaurant trying to you know do what he needs to do, fighting his possessed hand every step of the way. And uh, I the drive through cashier that he like shoves out of the way is Tom DeLonge in a cameo, Blink One Eighty Two yeah. lead singer. So that that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was like perfect for that time period too. I mean, that's you know Very. Blink was at their uh, their height right then. Yeah, so we were kind of like, yeah, Blink One Eighty Two, that's amazing. Um, and then him putting his hand in that uh you know, raw meat and stuff right in the drive through mm-hmm. i'm yep. like great touch great touch definitely makes for some good uh good physical comedy and whatnot and uh yeah. by the time the heavy metal guy gets to the drive through it's him working and that's where he, the yep. heavy metal guy sees his hand is all like fucking going crazy and twitching out and did he did he stick it in the <sighs> fryer at one point too i think yeah i feel like he does I yeah he does. i just i don't know why i vividly remember the raw meat and just that hand yeah. was on a field day in there, just whipping yep. around and. <laughs> yep. So after after he gets out of that situation, I love that it just cuts to him knitting, uh, just on the couch <laughs> next to his his headless friend. Which another awesome like place shot because the headless one is body upright, head in hand, head in lap, but the head's upside down. So he and he was he went into detail about how they filmed that. Like he was the guy was laying on the couch. Uh, kind of laid back, so it's his real legs and lower abdomen. And then um, Eldon Henson, who plays Pinup, was on a board upside down, uh, kind of going through the couch. So it's like just the the extra effort, just for the sole yeah. visual of having the head be upside down, is is pretty. I, I just respect that shit, man. I don't know, it's awesome. Yeah, it's no, that really, that I mean, that that is really great, especially uh, you know, it's you know, movies got a little bit older and like more current, you know, all the CGI added into it. And now we have things like Terrifier that are, you know, yep. going back full fledged. So, you know, all these practical effects, it's just so much more effective. Even if there's moments where you're like, eh, maybe it looks a little tiny fake. It It's still way more believable to me than, you know, all that computer generated stuff. So I agree. Yeah. And there's, 
there is good uses of CGI, absolutely. But odds are, I mean, it's like the it's like the human versus robot argument. Are, are robots ever going to replace humans? There, it's hard to compare the work of a, com- a computer te- procedurally generated technology versus something a, a physical, ta- uh, tangible thing that somebody with a group of people created crafted and made with the specific purpose of you know whatever shot they're trying to do so it's it it's 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 just never gonna never gonna replace it nope couldn't agree more i definitely uh definitely have a lot of respect for idle hands for that and i think now that i'm a little bit older watching that stuff and you know hearing you talk about some of the things you heard about the making of it um definitely I think they they did a really great job with it, especially at that time, um, and you know for how little budget they had. So, absolutely, yeah, and they they really made the most out of it. Um, uh, it's funny we'll we'll talk about it a little later, but the there's an alternate ending to this movie that they originally were going to go with, and they the director said that was the most expensive and tedious shot of the entire movie, and it's not even in the movie. <laughs> but sometimes Damn. that's just um, that's just filmmaking. Um, Mm-hmm. But before, but without jumping too far ahead to the ending, what happens next is uh, Anton is, you know, uh, we're, he's on the couch knitting. And this is also where we hit the he- nail on the head with the movie's title, Idle Hands. You know, everybody's probably heard the saying, Idle Hands are the devil's playground. Stupid, kind of outdated phrase, but whatever. <laughs> you know, just basically yeah. just a phrase that means keep busy. Uh, but, um, and so he... <laughs> He starts knitting because he's like idle hands at the devil's play- <clears throat> playground. And he's like, I don't think that one of them is like, I don't think it literally needs to be your hands. But obviously the irony is it does because <laughs> killer hand. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then there's two those two dickhead cops who have it out for him, have it out for Anton come are like sneaking around his house, get a get a, see, a visual of him on the couch with headless friend and friend with bottle in head. And so they take this as like probable cause. Holy shit, we gotta go. We gotta go stop this. Break into the house. There's a big, uh, big scaff. Uh, big shootout. Shot Mickey dead. No, sorry. Uh, but they, oh my god, his name is Mickey. Scream <laughs> <laughs> two parallels. They're, they're everywhere. That's they're, they're everywhere. Absolutely, they're everywhere. But uh, yeah. So they the cops get their get their comeuppance finally. Um, the uh, Sean Whalen's character gets like tased to death, which is pretty cool. I like that effect, and he like slams up yep. against the wall and all that shit. Um, and then there's a point where he shoots the head, and like, because he's like, "Oh my god, what's going on here?" And he shoots the head, and he's just like, "They're like, how is this? You know, how is this happening? You, you just shot a severed head. It's still talking." And you know what, cops? We're wondering <laughs> <Did> you... too. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are, but we. Again, we accept it. It's it's great. It is it is great. And uh, the other cop gets a pretty cool death, which I cannot help has to be a reference to Halloween. Uh, he, you know, Devin's got the uh, knitting needle in his hand, shoves that thing through the right through the temple side through and through the side of his head. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty nasty, pretty gnarly. I feel like that's got to be an intentional reference. It is. To- Halloween, uh, because also this movie, a lot of uh, pretty much all the uh, neighborhood shots here were shot in Pasadena, where Halloween was set. This is set at Halloween time. So the director, you know, he said, we're not we're not hammering down that we're paying homage to Halloween. But I mean, you know, read the material, baby. Look at it. It's it's Halloween. <laughs> 1978. It's Halloween. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Right. You were talking about parallels and I'm like, I was thinking about that too. You know, a lot of Halloween type references and being in the town alone and then uh, Mickey, I didn't even put that together, but I mean, intentional or not, it's, it's there. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, this director I, I came to learn is actually quite a reference reference man. He's a reference king. He's dropping any little thing. He's always like, oh, this is a reference to Suspiria <clears throat> with the hands coming through the wall. And this was a reference to say Halloween. You know, he's, he's pretty big about um putting in all those little those little references. But honestly, that's kind of what the whole horror genre is at this point. And I love it because it's almost I always compare it to something like like Titanus, like Marvel. Be, the only difference with the horror genre is that there's no one conglomerate taking over the whole industry. It's a bunch of studios. But still, the horror genre is an as it is is really the only just genre of movie that has its has a has a fan club has a has a um community uh a fandom you know like uh, there's the horror fandom i i never hear about rom-com fandoms or like anything like that and it's because <laughs> it's be, it's because it's 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 a shared interest thing but unlike marvel well similar to marvel you have all these different characters you have your jasons your freddies your 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 um your ghost faces all, all 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 of them all of them slashers beyond the only difference is they're not just one ip they're not all marvel they're they're all these different studios so it's um yeah it's like that same kind of you know culture though so there's a lot of referential stuff to other things paying homage to what came before i'm from what i understand i'm sure the marvel movies do that too i've seen like three in my whole life i don't know but i imagine they're probably calling back to each other a lot <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's a good way to put it too. Um, you know, the horror, the horror community is so so big and been around for such a long time. And you know, obviously, superheroes have been around for a very long time as well. But uh, you know, people coming together and even just watching Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time, and you know, maybe they saw the remake first, and uh, maybe they have a personal connection to that. But then they watch the original, and they're like. Oh, okay. Like I, I, you know, whether they like it or not, they see where everything came from and how iconic somebody like Robert England is uh, portraying Freddie. And um, I think that makes for a great community um, over time. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I, it's a, it's just so fun to be a part of, you know, because whenever, whenever somebody's yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm a horror fan, you just, you kind of just get it. You, you just know, mm -hmm. you know, you like, you just know, you just, you don't have to there's just a share with that shared interest. And I mean, similar, similar to Marvel vans, you know, you can could debate, um, fuck, I don't know, Iron Man and, and, and one of the other Avengers, I don't know, all day yeah. long, like, you know, but and similarly to horror, there's going to always be like your Freddy stands versus your Jason stands. And you're going to be like, ah, oh, what they did in part six was bullshit or whatever. Like, I don't know, like stuff like that. Like, you know, there's similar to like the star Wars fandom and stuff like that. It's just, the whole horror genre kind of operates as a fandom. And I just, I love that shit. And that's why my Same. podcast can exist and stuff like that. So I, I, yeah, just, I love it. That's why I'm here. That's why yeah. you're here. That is why you're here. And I love it. So, uh, so next, so Anton finally is like, all right, I'm sick of this possessed hand bullshit. I think we need to cut the evil out of this one. And he, he gets the idea to sever the hand, but, and he's like trying <clears throat> to chop at it. The hand is dodging all the chops hilariously. And so he gets, <laughs> And this movie's quite creative, actually, when you really think about it. Uh, he he has the severed head friend Pinub bite down on the hand while to to give it keep it steady, and then he severs the hand with the with the cleaver. Which fucking ow! What in the saw? 
Uh, right. Uh, also, like, uh, I like that he tried the the bagel slicer. When yeah, he that's right. That's it, down. Right. it just it just it just bends. It just I'm bends. Like, hey, yeah, that's it. Barely cuts the bagel, so of course it's not going to cut your bone. Yep, it's giving a uh, uh, scream three. Jenny McCarthy with the with the prop knife trying yeah. to fight fight Gus. <laughs> Fl- yep. Floppy little. She prop tried. Knife. <laughs> um, yeah, so he he gets that hand off. He gets that hand off, uh, and then. <laughs> I forgot. Seth Green comes running out of the other room with an iron <laughs> to to cauterize the wound, and he just the face the facial expression he's making is really funny. He looks very excited to save the day with this with this iron. What yes. is it with horror movies and <laughs> irons? It's Halloween ends. This was the precursor to that Halloween uh, or um, yeah, it was ends. Halloween uh, Halloween kills the woman with the iron and the, yep. and, the, and the mob. Yep. <laughs> Ready for it? Funny. Always keep an iron handy. Apparently, right. Now I want to. Now I want to track down David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and be like, "Was this a reference to Idle Hands?" <laughs> yeah. it's, I would. What be, was uh, it's <laughs> That'd be fine. Uh, what is it? Uh, Valentine also when uh, the killer in Valentine uses the iron as well. Yep, sitting on the. Yep. <laughs> I love it. It's, I, it's all about irons. Yeah. It's it's all about irons. Horror movie, the underrated horror movie weapon of the season. Mm-hmm. Irons. Yep. Can't oh, ironic. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, the, the hand. That was a good one. Uh, the hand scampers away, writes "bad move, Aton" in blood on the ground, which is funny because, which if you, I mean, he did just set the hand free, so maybe not the best move. Um, and I forget how the friends get uninvolved, but at one point, Anton throws the hand, it, the severed hand, into the microwave and explodes it. I forget if he actually presses a button called "hand," though. <clears throat> that would be really funny. That would be how, yeah. There's a, it I'll reminds me up. of, even, even though Snakes on a Plane came later, it reminds me of that. There's a scene in Snakes on the Plane where a snake gets thrown in a microwave and the, the button on the microwave literally says snake and he pushes the snake button to blow up and nuke the fucking <laughs> that's awesome. snake. Uh, so it's, it's very that. <laughs> that's I great. Uh, that's, I think that's pretty funny. And then, no, so, so trapping the hand in the microwave and blowing it up a little bit definitely was good. It was a good tactic. However, it is ruined when Penub and Mick get hungry, go to make some microwave burritos, and set it free. <laughs> God damn Whoops. it. Hunger ruined it. Fucking stoners. Uh, no, it's <laughs> fucking stoners. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's, um, so there's actually a rumor. I don't know. You've probably heard it. Um, there's a rumor online that Robert England actually did uh, the voice for the hand. Um, oh, I actually. So I stumbled across this a while ago, uh, randomly on the internet, and I've been looking it up. I can't find like any actual facts about it. Right. Um, I did see some guy on some guy on Reddit actually talked to him at a convention, and Robert England said, "I he's like I really don't remember. I've done so many like voice acting." That it's not something that I actually remember happening. Um, but when I was watching it this time, I was kind of like listening for it. So when it's in the microwave, it's almost making like a like a grunting sound. And it really right. sounds like maybe sound. It sounds like sound bites from like a Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. Even, even if it's just a fan, a made up fan thing, it, I could definitely I could definitely hear it. And I think that would be a, a great callback if it's actually true. So. Yeah, no, that's a that's a interesting rumor. I'm not I'm not familiar with that. I did not know that that was a it's one of those uh like urban le- internet urban legends almost. <clears throat> I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but although yeah. w- regardless of whether or not that is true, 
I, I do. You actually brought up something really interesting that I want to kind of touch on in that Robert England, you know, he said at a convention, allegedly said at a convention, oh, I've done so much voice acting that I don't know. I think a lot of people forget that actors like this is their job. Like it's their it's not a nine to five, but it's their career for them. Yeah. A lot of them aren't really thinking about like, oh, I'm going to have my big break in this horror movie and be famous or I'm going to do this, this, this. Like a lot of them just take work as it comes. And that's how they build their career. And it's just, it's just it's the way the cookie crumbles. So it's it's more than possible that Robert England one day his his agent or whoever somehow stumbled across an ad for oh we need some additional voice work uh you know quick quick cash you record for a couple hours one day and with movies and and especially now with ndas and the internet being so able to uncover stuff it's it's a lot harder to keep secrets so you don't want all of your movie shit to spoil and whatnot so it's it's more than possible like when they do this kind of work it's pretty it's not like they handed Devin, uh, I'm sorry, assuming this is true, it's not like they handed Robert England a script for Idle Hands and said, okay, this is the vibe of the movie. This is the whole entire plot. This is what you're doing. They probably just said, you're playing a character who's in peril, make some fucking pain noises. And, you know, he, he might, it's possible he did this voice acting and wasn't even told that this is what it was for. He only, maybe he only <laughs> right. heard the, the working title or whatever, you know? So it's yeah. a lot of people are like, well, how could you not remember doing something like this? It's like, because you love this movie and you're seeing a finished product. He was but one screw in one cog on the entire gear shift, you know? So it's yeah. assuming, yeah. assuming this is all true, you know, like that kind of thing. So I think a lot of people forget that it's at the end of the day, Hollywood's a business and there's a lot of transactional things that happen there. So it's, a lot of people get mad when their favorite actor is like, what? How do you not remember playing this super iconic role that I love? And it's like, well, that was one job they took 20, 30 years ago. They're not sitting back and watching yeah. their own films every single day like we the fans are, you know? So, you know, you got to cut the cut the, cut the the people some slack because they, they do a lot yeah. of shit. So I, I, I'm curious is, yeah. if that's true. I'm curious if that's true. And, uh, you know, it sometimes isn't more fun to just believe it is. Like you were saying, like you, you could hear it. Like you, you're like, oh, this totally yeah. sounds like Robert England. Fuck it. It is. It's yeah. more fun that way. Why yeah. not? You know? So hell yeah. Robert England's in this Head movie. Headcanon. <laughs> Headcanon for the win. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, um, so yeah. the the Stoner boys uh, decide to patch up his head because they want to go out and do things. And it works because it's Halloween. So everybody's going to think they're just dressed up in costume. And I love that they use just plain old duct tape to reattach uh, his head. Because, oh, God, oh, no. oh, we'd be remiss to mention the scene, the uh, really good practical effects scene where he tries to eat a burrito, but it oozes like out of the oozes. neck because he can't like, yeah. swallow. Pretty, pretty great. Yeah, that was a great touch. Effect. Definitely makes you kind of go, ooh, yeah. wince a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a good little, uh, whoever came up with that in the moment, if it was in the script or not, I think that was great. Little yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So they in in uh, another funny fact that the actor had to say about this is that he said uh, he thinks about this every time he uses duct tape, like even <clears throat> to this day, because the the collector's edition Blu-ray has modern interviews. I want to say they were from uh, possibly 2020. I, I don't remember. It was it was it's more of a modern day release. Um, it's the Scream Shout Factory, you know, moment. Uh, but they he he was like, yeah, every time I think about I think about this every time I use duct tape. I'm like, well. It held together my severed head, so it should have held this together. <laughs> just pretty, pretty funny to think about. That just, that's I'm I'm gonna start it's good marketing about that now when I use duct tape. I'm gonna be like, hmm, yeah. it held together penubs. 
severed head. If it worked for Penub, it better work for this stupid yeah. thing I'm trying to tape back together. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah, and this, and also this whole time, you know, intermittently throughout this movie, Vivica Fox is doing her thing, trying to hunt down, hunt down the evil, and uh, she eventually, she she tracks down um, Anton to his house, but as he's like pulling out of the driveway, hits her with the car, she goes flying. Heavy Metal Boy comes in for the rescue, and now they're kind of like a a partnership that's gonna that's gonna catch the uh, <laughs> catch. They're the gonna solve it all. They're gonna solve it all. Yeah. Um, so they that that's a funny partnership too because there's a point where they're at a bar talking, and he's all like, "So, like, what's your deal? What what's going on with you?" And she she just total expo dumps her entire like. She's like, "Well, if you want to know, I'm a Judeo priest, come from a long line of Druid witch hunters who do to hunt this evil." Like I was like, "Yes, go off!" Like I I just I'm here <laughs> for it. It's it's campy as fuck, and I I just think it's, it's so funny. Her delivery of it's so dry in in a way that I I don't know. I just think it's funny, and then that of course makes heavy metal dude fall in love with her more. Of course, naturally, why not? Yep. So they uh, so they're they're thinking, okay, well, Anton just left. He's a high schooler. Where is he going? Oh, probably the Halloween dance that's going on at the high school. So they they roll up to the high school, and that is actually where Anton's going because he wants to go to the dance with Molly. And Molly doesn't. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you better not stand me up or whatever. <laughs> and so he's got to make it. But also the hand is probably going there too. Because I think there's a point in time where they discover that Molly is for some reason the target of the hand. Like he's trying to sacrifice her or something. The hand. Assuming the hand is a he, sorry. It's played by a male yeah. actor. <laughs> but yeah, so the hand, and it was attached to Devin Sawa. But um, yeah, so the hand uh, is going after Molly. So he's going to the dance. Everybody's going to the dance. So gotta, it's got to end in a party. Absolutely. Why not? It, very 90s too. So. Third, yep. Third act party scene, so uh, there's a yep. there's a pretty cool dance going on. You know, the Offspring is playing live. Do and it's this scene is funny because the director originally wanted the Ramones, couldn't get the Ramones, got the Offspring, doing a Ramones cover. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, why not? Director's right? about compromise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the hand the hand gets some cool kills here too. He uh. It, there's this couple out in the parking lot where all the cars are parked of uh, her in like kiss makeup for some reason. Uh, why, oh not? God, yeah. and, uh, why not? And I guess that was their Halloween costume. But uh, it's just weird because like the offspring playing Ramones is playing. There's no kiss involved. But anyway, they're making out <laughs> and uh, got to have some titties in a horror movie, especially a 90s horror movie. So we see we see the, Absolutely. We see the titties. And uh, it is actually pretty comical. You know, the hand crawls in to the car cause, that they're making out in and she's topless. So and he's the dude she's hooking up with is feeling her up. And then all of a sudden, third hand gets involved. She's like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Looks down, hand yeah. chokes her out, kills the other guy, smacks his head against the glass. It's a pretty cool scene because we, we see it from the outside. Technically an off screen kill, but, you know, it does the job. I like it more splatty. It does blood. The job. Yeah, it's like uh <laughs> It's 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 the Titanic sex scene if it went horribly wrong. Steamy car, <laughs> hand on that's the window. So, that's so true. Splatters. That's a good way to put it. Different liquids being splattered than that scene in this in this scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely different. Not the <laughs> not not the ending they wanted. Not, yeah, right. Not so happy ending. Uh, speaking of not so happy endings, the uh, he, another kill he racks up is the principal who's on a phone sex hotline, 
getting his getting his rocks mm-hmm. off and then the uh the hand just mangles his dick i guess and that's enough to enough to kill yeah. him which honestly i get it if my dick got mangled like that i'd be like just we're good just finish it off finish me off we're done yeah. <laughs> we had a good run <laughs> yeah he, yeah he was like i can actually feel you uh, right yeah yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, when he's on the phone, he's like, "Wow, you're so good at yeah. this dirty talk. I feel like you're yeah. actually here." It's because the hand is just yep. short. It's about to fuck him up. Severed demon hand here. <laughs> the hand so knew what it was a, doing. Yeah, so that's a that's a fun kill, fun uh, fun little. And you know, the sex and horror go so hand in hand. It's a trope. You know, don't have sex, mm. scream said it best. And so this kind of puts mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a little bit of spin on that. It makes uh, like people always die during the dirty, but it's it's. this movie has a layer of irony because it's a literal hand and so there's a lot of figures of speech you can do with that um so uh and now that the hand is actually sentient and moving around i think now's a good time to talk about the uh actor here christopher hart who also portrayed a thing in the adams family so he is he is an experienced hand actor and he is proud of it he this so proud. I, actually, I found his his little interview and story so inspiring because he is just here's this dude who finds out he can do all this cool shit with his hands. He gets into he, he actually said he grew up in Los Angeles and had no acting desires. He didn't want to be an actor. He actually really is into magic and, and illusionistness illusion. Magic. And he got really good. It sounds good. Sound good to me. <laughs> he got really good at sleight of hand. He worked at the Hollywood Magic Shop, which was a famous shop here, and even the Magic Castle, which is another like iconic location. Um, so he just, you know, worked his way into magic. He said he met David Copperfield and worked for him. And then he also mentioned, though, that with magic and, and illusion, there is a bit of acting that goes hand in hand. So eventually he found himself on Adam's Family doing a uh, thing. And because he he was able to exp- move his hand in such a way that expressed like emotion like like a character would he he gave it a personality and he even said that when he uh, got the call oh you, we want you to do some hand acting for this horror movie it was he and he signed on he said it was important to him that he gave the hand a personality and all in addition to a personality not the same personality as thing they were like can you do evil he was like yes i will do evil so he's very passionate about you know, his his weird hand acting that he's just he's come to yeah, master. That's awesome. Uh so and it's just yeah. it's inspiring to see like, you know, he's he's a textbook example of if you if you can do something well, why do it for free? You know, he's he's figures out he can do all this yeah. cool sleight of hand shit and he's like, Well, let me capitalize on that. And now he's got acting credits, he's got magic credits, he's you know, he's living his best life as a hand actor. <laughs> and he loves it. He loves it. The he's iconic hand, yeah. Yeah, he's very passionate about it. He even said he's like, he's you know, there's no book on hand acting. There's no classes on hand acting. Everything I you know, he, he, yeah. even to himself, like while he was talking about it, he's like, I should maybe, you know, maybe start a seminar or something on how to how to be a <laughs> hand actor. So, you know, he's just he's living his best life. And I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Uh that he was able to just yeah. find that niche and really slip into it. Good for him and his his career yeah um, what a great career he, he has too i mean yeah yeah absolutely because he does he does a great job as the evil hand uh, a shot that happens later or actually i think it actually just happened right after he killed the principal the hand sticks its little fingers into a pencil sharpener to like sharpen his nails and he does this like nice yeah. little like that like uh-huh. spreading of the fingers to get a look in the shot the camera Check work is great because it's just a nice little revolving uh, shot like a, a circular pan. I don't know if there's a technical term for it. I'm sure it is. It's almost like the camera is orbiting around the hand as it just kind of you know stunts yeah. its shit. It's pretty cool. 
and uh, mm-hmm. it, it's things like that that help give the evil hand a personality, uh, like he was saying. Yeah. So I think he was successful in what he set out to do. And everyone, <clears throat> the director, the the hand actor, the surrounding actors buying into it, everything. And also the fact that it is a a, per, a hand, you know, a person with an actual hand, and it's not a, a puppet or a even, God forbid, a CGI thing. Like, it's just a green, no. green stick that they're going to later turn into a hand. I think it... You know, yeah. it makes it easier for the actors to play off of and buy into. And it just it creates a better environment on set because you're like, yeah, what we're doing is silly, but we're all having a good time making it. And it creates that bonding experience. So love it. Oh, yeah. Me too. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> love it. Can you imagine um, like a can you imagine like a remake with a CGI hand, like how bad it would be? Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street tried it and it sucked. Don't do it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. I don't. It's not leave leave the cgi at home it's i want the practical hands yes. <laughs> no mm-hmm. yeah I, it's good it's good i like it um i like it a lot and who knows maybe a cgi hand could work in, in a remake or another series or something but i think i think idle hands is best left as just this one little g- gem in a in a mountain of 90s horror movies hell yeah i agree uh, but yeah yeah, so then next, uh, Vivica Fox over here, the druid hunter or whatever, shows up with Heavy Metal Boy. <laughs> I love this scene because they're like, he, she's like, Anton, I know who you are. I know what's going on and I know how we can stop it. And he's so relieved. He's like, really? Oh, my God, how? And she just whips out this twisted dagger and it's like, die and goes to stab him it's very it's very rebecca gayhart at the end of urban legends just like launching another iconic yep. another yep another iconic oh, yeah. uh, horror performance um it's it's i i love it i think it's so funny they have their little their little wrestling moment there uh and then finally he's like wait no killing me won't even do anything i, I chopped the hand off and they're like you set it free like there's just so yeah, much pain. where is it <laughs> yeah yeah the damn hand and, got um, loose Yep, it sure did. And then this has to be an homage to Carrie. It's got to be. It's not blood pouring down oh. on the dance floor, but in a another yet again an amazing practical effect, they the hand drops from the ceiling and scalps uh the lead singer of The Offspring whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. But it was um, all practical. They put a bald cap on him, applied these uh, uh, blood packs and prosthetics. And both uh, Christopher Hart, the hand actor, and the director, uh, Rodman Flender. It's like so many syllables. It's hard to just not roll (laughs) off the tongue. Um, Both corroborated that it was that scene was really a one take wonder. It takes hours and hours to put the makeup on and do these prosthetics uh and and if it would have went wrong they kind of would have been out of luck so and and the hand actor christopher hart talked about it a lot too because he's thinking okay i've got to make sure i properly rip it and you know take the prosthetic off and also give the hand the personality and i you know not not hip hitting the guy all 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 of the all of the factors so um and and it just it's one of those reasons why i just love this this whole episode is just a love letter to practical effects really uh because this this is awesome and you know the fact that they it's that high risk high reward the the high risk is that you only get one shot to do it but the reward is it looks fucking awesome no cgi whatsoever it's all practical yeah so couldn't agree more yeah uh, very carry then everything starts going nuts the you know he's the hand starts chopping down like light beams so they're coming down pe- uh, locking the doors blocking them out people are trying to bust out through the through the walls and through the sides and windows all that 
all that good panicky jazz uh, that that would ensue in this situation. <laughs> yeah, for real though, yeah, it's definitely definitely very carry like. Uh, I remember watching it uh, the the first time I ever watched it and having that same kind of. I don't want to say claustrophobic, but I mean, you're getting trapped in this gymnasium with all these people panicking and right. I mean, that's a, a very scary scenario. So uh, the fact that there's a, a crazy demonic can running around and doing all this stuff, right. uh, it's kind of adds, adds to the, the horror and the humor of it all. So. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Somehow the uh, Molly and some other girl named Tammy, who I forget if she appears earlier in the movie, but she's apparently one of her friends. She's dressed as kind of like a red devil or something. Uh, they find themselves in the air vents. They're crawling around doing their thing and the hand is coming after them. So they're like, oh, shit, we got to drop down. They find like a fan. It's going real zoom, zoom fast. So she's like, give me your shoe, puts it in the takes the red high heel. <clears throat> And puts it in the fan blade to stop it from spinning. Kicks the grate down. They're like, all right, we can jump down. They find a rope so they can, you know, get down safely. And uh, Molly goes through first. And then Tammy's going. But the hand has caught up to them. Ties the rope around her neck. Drops her down. Which is kind of a cool subversion. Because you're like, oh, it it hanged her. That's the the gag. Uh, But she's still alive, still kicking. Molly is trying to tie her down. And then... The hand evilly uh, and more more Christopher Hart talking about, oh, yeah, I really wanted to stroke the velvet shoe before removing it. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> takes the shoe out of the blade. Blade starts going full speed again. And then instead of um, her getting like chopped, it's wrapped around the uh, like the central cylinder that makes the thing rotate. I don't know the technical term. And it so it winds the rope that she's tied around up causing her to fly back up into the fan and get shredded to bits. Blood flies everywhere, all over these lockers, all over Molly. It's pretty, it's pretty great death. Pretty cool. It, it really is. It's actually my favorite. It's very, my, very much my would, favorite scene. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I, I would probably say favorite death as well, honestly. It's, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And then um, when Penub and Mick are coming through the air vents, they you know, try to find them and they see the aftermath and all the blood and... Uh, I think her name actually might be Tanya. I might be wrong. Oh, okay. Um, but I, but I feel like Seth Green, Seth Green's character Mick says, "I'm not about to go through all that, Tanya," or something along those yeah, lines. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's because they just his delivery the is so parts. like deadpan." Yeah, yeah. There, this <laughs> movie does a kind of, uh, a pretty good job of like anytime they introduce something that would be maybe a little too scary or too hard for like a viewer who's not keen on gore and horror and stuff like like the scalping or this brutal scene where this woman just gets chopped into millions of pieces by a fan uh they immediately follow up follow it up with some more comedy so that way they they this i i mean i wouldn't consider this movie scary but i can see how people who are sensitive to some imagery with like gore and stuff could be like okay maybe that was a little much for me but then the movie never alienates you because it pulls you right back in with the jokes like Seth Green being like, I'm not going through all that, yeah. and then getting his little yeah. bottle stuck yeah, yeah. in the vent, um, <laughs> like stuck on the lid, so he can't yeah. keep can't keep crawling. So a more more just so good. comedy that so makes good. me makes me cackle. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, so so this is the point where the movie uh, we're in the climax. So this is all this ending as we see is a reshot ending because there was an original ending um, that 
they shot and like I alluded to earlier, it was really expensive, even though they didn't use it. And what happened was they found that the test screening audiences loved the comedy of the movie, thought it was great, but didn't connect with this ending because it's a little more tonally serious and darker. And so to end it on that note, they felt it wasn't right. So they reshot it with much more of a comedic element and leaned more into the stoner comedy of it all. Because if you think about it, the movie starts off stoner comedy a lot and then in the middle kind of takes a break from the weed stuff. So for it, 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 they thought, okay, it makes a little bit more sense to kind of tie it back in here. Are you familiar with the alternate ending at all? Um, I remember I watched it back when the DVD came out. So right, okay. um, it's been a while. Not going to lie to you. No worries. No worries. Um, I will. So we'll, we'll come back to the, to the alternate ending. We'll come back to it. Um, Cause okay. I, I, have, I have a specific question around it. <laughs> But uh, what happens is they there's this this like mega bong in in the wood shop area because the the puppet or well, it's a puppet now because the hand is inside of a puppet for some reason, (laughs) a very goofy looking (laughs) puppet. But also, I think it's kind of funny. Everybody everybody loves puppets. Uh, (laughs) So they're uh, Jessica Alba's tied to the roof of a car on the, the, the little lifty hydraulic thing. And there's just a pentagram. Pentagram drawn on the ceiling in like crayon or something, and maybe it's blood. I don't know. And and he sh- sh- the car is going to raise to the ceiling. So I guess the goal is to just smash her in the pentagram, and then that accomplishes the hand's goal. Because why not? That's <laughs> all. That's all it needed. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out how to stop this. She's slowly raising, raising up. Anton, Mick, and Penub are here. And there's this mega bong in this shop area that allegedly Penub created. It's got like three pipes and it's he like welded it together. And so they're like, oh, my God, let's use it. And so they start just lighting up, smoking the weed because they then Anton blows the weed smoke into the puppet, which gets the puppet stoned hilariously. Like the eyes change <laughs> and yeah. roll back all red, like, which <laughs> causes it to like the puppet part to get stuck in between the wench that's raising the car, but the hand falls out. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> and it like, it's, it's, it's so funny. It's very comical to me, <laughs> especially Jessica Alba on top of the car, just being like, you're getting stoned with your friends. Unbelievable. As she's, <laughs> as she's getting raised to her death. Oh, right. She's like, it's fine, but please stop getting stoned. Yeah. Uh, and then in Vivica Ex Machina, she comes in right as the hand like takes one last. You know, this is the moment where the supposedly dead killer comes back to life. Uh, one last <laughs> scare, jumps at at the camera or uh, at Devin or whoever, and she throws the dagger like, like I can almost hear the like Danny Phantom theme the way it plays out. It's so like mm-hmm. action, like slow mo <laughs> FPS, like da 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 da. Throws the dagger. Yep hits the hits the hand right in the palm of course and it uh it the, the blade hand combo digs into the chest of Mick and uh the hand kind of like has a little burst of energy and poofs away and i think i think it's pretty funny that his character is even <laughs> like what the fuck that's it like no no hellfire yeah, no it. screaming no explosion just that and uh i i i learned that that ending actually came you know of these reshoots after they did the you know, reshot the ending they t- they leaned into the fact that they weren't doing some grandiose like portal to hell horror 
typical moment. They they leaned into it, which yeah. you know, I think it's fine. I think it's I think it's kind of funny. It's comical. I do too. I think it uh like you mentioned, I think it I think it ties everything together really well. Um I think that that humor of like that's it, that's all we got just goes hand in hand hand in hand with what the entire story was. So yeah. I love it. It goes hand in hand. With the, what the story was. Yep. <laughs> <Nearly humor>. there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I also just love more physical comedy that just cracks me up for whatever fucking reason. I after the hand, like, because, you know, it's a moment of triumph seeing the blade puncture the hand in midair. It's also a cool shot. And then it goes yeah. into Seth Greed and it cuts back to the heavy metal dude and uh, Vivica. And she does this like it's it's hard to describe because, you know, I can see you, but this is a podcast. You can only, I'm only, you know, simulating auditorily so you can't see what I'm doing visually. Uh, but she does this like <laughs> like wince where she making that face of like. Ooh, and I just—I just think it's so funny. <laughs> like little little physical moments like that. Are you familiar with the show yep. Veep? Uh, I've seen a couple episodes. I've never watched it like religiously, but gotcha. Yeah, I, I definitely know I've, what it is. Yeah, I've I've recently seen it, and I've become obsessed with the show and mostly julia louis dreyfus i'm like enamored with this woman right now she's currently my whole personality yeah. but I, it's just one of my favorite <laughs> favorite moments in all of veep and this is by no means a spoiler in any way shape or form it's in the last season it's not even like everybody quotes that show for the for its one-liners and its jokey insults yeah. for me it's the physical comedy and there's a scene where her character it's selena meyer president is at a, a like a county fair and this dude just jumps out of nowhere and is like madam president guess your weight guess your age and she's so caught off guard because she's a the president's in in a very civilian scenario so she has no idea how to like she just she can't even like process what just happened to her as this dude just jumped out so she does this thing where she like like puts her arms up against him in a in a like like get away from me way and just like <laughs> genuinely is so scared she just goes like what what was that i, I don't know <laughs> it's the same it's the same energy as vivica fox just being like "Ooh!" like it's just that physical comedy cool. moment that just sends me into a laughing riot every time i love it i love that yeah that's the humor i like so i'll, I'll have to watch the show see it's good it's good. Oh my god, you should totally watch Veep. I think it's hilarious. I could go on an unhinged tangent about how that fucking show is great. But yes, Veep, Veep, sponsor me because I will absolutely promote your show on my show. <laughs> that shit was great. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So they, they of course, you know, puppet or uh, uh, sorry, Evil Hand defeated. They get down uh, Molly from the car. But yeah, that you know, it's very, very typical happy ending. Guy gets the girl. Day is saved. The uh, the two friends like go to heaven. Like literally, the portal or doorway, stairway, whatever the heaven opens, and they're just like, "All right, let's go, heaven." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sounds yeah, fun, then it, man. Right? Sounds fun. Then it cuts to uh, uh, Anton in the hospital, uh, recovering, and Molly's all like, "Oh my god, you blew off heaven to be with me." <laughs> Fucking high school shit, man. Well, like, could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Boyfriend, boyfriend of the year come on apparently good for good for Devin. <laughs> uh so yeah that's and uh one last time mick and Penub appear to him and he's like oh my god you guys didn't go to heaven he's like no we're your guardian angels so that's hilarious <laughs> and uh the movie ends with 
you know, Molly walks out of the hotel or hotel hospital room and uh, he's alone and he looks up at the ceiling, sees the same. I'm under the bed in the UV blue paint, whatever uh, starts freaking out. You're thinking, uh oh, sequel bait. What the hell? But uh, actually, it is, you know, it walks, it cuts to Pinub and Mick walking away. And he's like, you think we should tell him we painted that on the ceiling? <laughs> and uh, what, what a great it. way that's to end it, too. That's Idle Hands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's the yeah. end of Idle Hands. Um, oh, yes. I, I like this movie. It's it's a really it's a, like we were saying, you know, it's a tight, compact uh, uh, movie that just, you know, it does what it's set out to do. Give you a little bit of laugh, give you a little bit of horror, uh, you know, throw it out with yeah. your friends. And, and I'm sure you could, you know, just pop some popcorn drink to it smoke to it have a good time yeah couldn't agree more it's uh like i said uh you know i've seen this movie multiple times uh over the span of you know its life and uh, i feel like each time i watch it i get a little something different and have a lot more respect for it i guess um i definitely think it's a film that you know any horror movie or even comedy uh movie buff wants to check out i think they definitely should i think it's like you said, it uh, sets out what it wants to do, and it does it in a really well done way. I absolutely agree. I'm glad. I, I'm glad you think so too. Do you have uh, before we get yeah. to this show's deadly debate? Do you have any any other final thoughts? You know, anything, anything last minute things you want to talk about with uh, Idle Hands here? Uh, no, I think we covered a lot of the stuff that you know I definitely wanted to, to speak on the practical effects and you know the the casting choices and their energy together and you know what the director did for making the film what it is and yeah i think we covered a lot of good stuff awesome okay well then let's get to the uh you know the deadly debate so just in case you're unaware if you never i'm not sure if you listened to the show before but at the end of the episode after we covered the movie uh i thought about you know who you are who i am uh, what I know about you and what what is a question about this movie that maybe we disagree on, maybe we super agree on, you know, something that could be debated. You know, the show is called Debate of the Dead. Uh, so for this one, it's it, it revolves around the ending. Essentially, the debate for this episode is going to be which ending do you prefer? The original, you know, the ending that's in the movie as we see it or the the alternate one, the expensive one that I was talking about. Um, so you you said you haven't seen it in a while. So just to jog your memory it's at, and, and also say it for the people on the podcast, it's uh, it's oh, the hospital stuff always happens. So it was always going to end with him in the hospital. The whole did guardian angels. Did you we painted that on the ceiling? That was always there. It's just the part in the shop with the car. Uh, so what originally was going to happen is after Jessica Alba uh, is running, the friend gets chopped up in the fan. She doesn't run into the wood shop room. She runs runs into the pool house, and it's a it's a shot with a, a big you know the big comp, competitive swimming pool, and the hand eventually gets her on the diving board. She, I think she goes up there to hide or something, and the evil hand is up there. And there's actually a really cool CGI shot where. It's a crane shot above. The hand is about to like do whatever to her. And the water below in the swimming pool turns into like a hell portal. Like it spins into one, like CGI style. That, that was CGI, but I mean it looks good in the unfinished, you know, shot. And uh uh Mick and Pinub show up as well as Anton, and eventually uh and so do the the witch hunter and the heavy metal guy. Anton is up on the um uh the diving board. 
and he decides to sacrifice himself. He's like, take me, and then jumps off the diving board and is going to go into the hell portal. But right before he does, the hell portal closes, so he just falls into the empty, shallow pool and, like, hurt, like, presumably, like, pretty much breaks his neck. Uh, and then the stairway to heaven opens up, uh, and, you know, uh, Mick is like, ah, heaven, look at that. And it's kind of ambiguous, did he choose to go to heaven or not? And then it cuts to the hospital. Did you, you know, did you, oh, wow, you blew off heaven to be with me. Um, so for the deadly debate, would you have preferred that ending? Or do you like the ending as it is in the movie? Uh, if you would have asked me this 15, 20 years ago, I would have told you the alternate ending was mm -hmm. more my appeal. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, I think now, I think that the ending that we have uh, in the car shop and everything is perfectly in line with what the tone of the rest of the film is. Um, I think, I think the way everything plays out and connects, like you said, with, you know, all the stoner comedy in the beginning of the film and uh, kind of brings everything full circle. I think it sticks well with all of the characters and their personality. Um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I you know it's, I think the new ending is the superior ending. Yeah. 100%. I love it. Love it. I, I, I've never seen the alternate ending until like literally uh, two hours ago when I watched it and in, in preparation for this. And I, when I saw the hell portal thing, I was like, wait, this is actually really cool. Why was this cut? This is actually really fucking awesome. And I was, I was pretty on board with it. But then after he jumps off and just kind of breaks his neck and I was like, oh, that's almost, that's kind of dark, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and it's, I, I forget how, if even, the hand ends up getting defeated. Um, I, I maybe she throws the dagger into it and it falls through the hell portal too. I don't remember, but it's also a little anticlimactic in that regard. So I kind of started to see, uh, okay, I see why this has changed because they're pretty. They made it the the crew, the director and whatnot, made it pretty clear that the reason it was changed was because uh, the test audiences didn't they didn't. You know, they were there for the comedy. It wasn't giving comedy. So they were like, okay, let's make them an ending a little bit funnier, but also low budget because we have to reshoot it. Hence the ending we got. And I do think that, you know, it, it I like that it brings back the stoner comedy elements and it is about the weed again. And the the puppet is really funny. The, the, the fact that weed saves the day and that he even has the line of like, <laughs> yet again, weed saves an otherwise disastrous day. I'm like, the, the moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. This whole movie. Yeah. It, uh, so I it do. It brings all full circle. So for a minute, I started to think that the alternate ending would, would have been superior. But then as, as it went on and I saw the whole picture, I was like, mm, I see why this is cut. And I agree with you uh, that the the ending we have in the movie is the the better ending for the story they were trying to tell. And it ties it back to being, you know, a stoner comedy, which is what it was at the beginning, what it was at the end. Yep. And then in the middle is a bunch of murder. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, we love it. We live for it all. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's Idle Hands. Came out in 1999. Has an awesome cast uh, with Devin Sawa, Sean Raylan, uh, Vivica Fox, um, uh, Seth Green. Yeah, all, uh, Jessica Alba. Uh, very young Jessica Alba. All kinds of all kinds of cool shit uh, going on. Great, yeah. great practical effects. Um, and uh, yeah, if you've never seen this movie watch it especially now that we've just spoiled the entire plot for you but uh it's it's one of those ones you show your friends i feel like that's how most people 
yeah. at least at least now maybe now that it's you know kind of an older movie uh people find it is they're like oh you've never heard of idle hands let me show it to you and then they put it on which yeah, yeah. good way to good way to to know about it um but yeah, that's Idle Hands. Thank you so much, Dave, for coming on the podcast. You were lovely. And as always, with all my guests, you're on once, you're on forever. You're a part of the Debate of the Dead family now. So whenever you want to come back, you let me know. Tell me what movie we're doing, and we'll get on this microphone and talk about it. Hell yeah, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, thanks for having me. I could sit here and talk about these things for hours. So I would definitely like to come back sometime. And yeah. 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 Oh, we, I like what you're doing well, here. Well, We'll get you back. Absolutely. Because I, I mean, I'm the same way. I, I, cool. I, I think I've talked about it before, but it's almost like therapeutic for me in a way, especially with new movies, because I, I watch the movie once, twice, three, however many times I absorb it. Then I do the, 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 the online stuff, see what YouTubers have to say, watch the special features, really absorb like everything about a project, a movie, uh, whatever. And then we come over here on this podcast microphone and do therapy about it. And then it's like, all right. I'm good with idle hands. I feel like I've moved on <laughs> from idle hands now. Yeah. I, I like this movie a lot. I've, I've said what I needed to say about it. Moving on to the next grand adventure. So uh, it, it, it's awesome. basically, I think, I think when you reach the age of like 21 and you're considered an adult, you have two options, go to therapy or start a podcast. I chose start a podcast. <laughs> hey, and this is the best therapy, honestly. So, so thanks for Absolutely. bringing your therapy session and you know, letting us both talk about it. Anytime, anytime. Uh, do you have anything uh, you want to promote? Where can people find you on like Twitter, Instagram? If if not, don't feel like you know any anything of that nature. Maybe you've got a podcast of your own. Uh, no, I mean, no, I mean it's definitely something I always kind of wanted to do. So I think that's why I tweeted it out there and was like, "Hey, someone yeah. put me on your podcast." And uh, I thought, I think it was great that you responded, and you know, I started listening to your stuff after that. And you know, obviously that's how all this works. So I, uh, you know, I appreciate you hit me up on there and you know invite me to this and all that so maybe in the future i'll dabble a little bit and doing my own but in the meantime i definitely like to you know get on here and talk to people about things and all that so uh my instagram is pen e-n-n underscore monster and my twitter is pen monster all one word um all i do is talk about movies and post movie things so it's borderline annoying to some people but you know people that are in the horror movie community they're like yeah keep posting other people are like can you go talk to somebody so that's where the therapy comes in so uh, i love it i love it. you're doing randy meeks proud <laughs> that's it's, i it's, mean what an like that, that that's yeah that's that's the guy that's the guy that's what i mean i mean that's that's what it's all about you know you find people with your like your like interest and you and you geek out about your favorite things that's what the horror genre does that's what the star wars fandom does that's what the marvel fandom does it's it's just just kind of how entertainment works and it's awesome i i love that and and the horror community really is a great one i mean it's made up of so many i mean it's traditionally like the misfit crowd you know the stoners welcome queers welcome like you know anybody uh, all races all colors all sizes all all personality types everything everything so uh yeah thank you thank you so much for coming on and like i said we are definitely going to get you back on we're going to be talking about all kinds of movies we love the the debate therapy session um, but that is that is today's episode, everybody. If you want to find more of me and my drag, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Queen underscore Cream. Follow the podcast Twitter for announcements and updates about what episodes uh, are coming up. I'm doing giveaways a lot. Anytime uh, I can, I like to do that, you know, throw some cool stuff out there. Uh, I've got a merch store at uh, QQMerch.com if you like the show or my drag and want to support that. Um, but yeah, come 
come hang. I got a Patreon, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. It's all in the description. You guys know. Uh, it's a fun little fun little community I'm trying to trying to build up here. So come come be a part of it. And thank you for listening and supporting my show. And we will see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>